Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we want to say thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for the, 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 the messages we've already heard this morning, the, the message about words and the impact that our words have on us and on others. Lord, help us to take that to heart. Help us also to rejoice in the blessings you've given us, the beautiful day, the, 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 the wedding we witnessed yesterday, and all the wonderful things that you've poured out on, on us. But, Lord, help us also to realize it's imperfect, it's temporary, it's passing away, but there's a better day coming for those Amen. of us that are prepared. So help us to prepare, help us to be a part of a kingdom which cannot be shaken. And I pray for my brother Mark that you would anoint his lips. As he shares, anoint us as we hear. Anoint, Lord, just be with those that are not here for whatever reason. Be with Amos and Frida and Dennis and Grace as they're making their way from the airport. I pray for safety. And others, Lord, maybe because of sickness or whatever other reason can't be with us, may you reach out and bless them as well. So just guide us and direct us. Build your kingdom today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Oh, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here again. Pleasure to see your faces. Thank you, Roger, for that prayer. I have a message this morning, and I have two things I want to convey. I want to convey the thought that I have a responsibility to others and want to convey the thought that my authorities, and I'm not just talking to young people, I'm talking to all of us, that my authorities have a responsibility to help me walk rightly. The title of the message is The the Trap Stick Syndrome. You might know what a trap stick is? If I said bent sapling, would that give you any idea what that might mean? What that means is, uh, I've never done this, but they tell me you, you, you take a sapling and you bend it over, tie a string to it or something, then you put a little a trigger down here that somebody walks across it or an animal or something It has a noose on it. When they trip that trigger, this, 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 this uh, sapling is released and it snares the animal or the person, whatever they're trying to catch. So the title of the message is The Trap Stick Syndrome. And the message was born out of the whole thought and possibility of needing to be careful with the things about life. Uh, more specifically, this is not necessarily, necessarily the focus, but more specifically, last Wednesday evening we had a brothers meeting back at Living Hope in Pennsylvania. And we talked about technology. We talked about the fact that it is a very 
useful tool, but a very, very dangerous toy. We talked about the fact that what should we do? We're here, we, we walk together as a church and we have, we have a desire that this church would continue on in holiness. And that our, 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 our posterity, our children coming along would not be tainted with the evils of the world, but they'd walk in holiness. And they would be not infiltrated with evil. That's how this message was born. I think we all know, I do, I think we all know of the dangers of the technology we have today. We also know, and I I will not take this away from anybody because I use it too, that it has, it's very powerful, it has has advantages and we, we use it as a tool and it works. My notes say this message was born out of an increasing awareness of the cunning deception of the enemy and the subtlety by which he very slyly attempts to pull people away from the truth. I want to read you a poem. Some of you may have heard it. It's called The Ambulance Down in the Valley. "'Twas a dangerous cliff, as they freely confessed, though to walk near its crest was so pleasant." But over its terrible edge there had slipped a duke and many a peasant. The people said, something has to be done. But the project did not all tally. Some said, put a fence round the top at the edge of the cliff. Some said, an ambulance down in the valley. The lament of the crowd was profound and was loud, and their hearts overflowed with their pity. But the cry for the ambulance carried the day as it spread through the neighboring city. A collection was made to accumulate aid. And dwellers in highway and alley gave dollars and cents, not to furnish a fence, but an ambulance down in the valley. Well, the cliff is all right if you're careful, they said. And if folks ever slip and are dropping, it isn't the slipping that hurts them so much, it's the shock down below when they're stopping. So for years, we have heard, as these mishaps occurred, quick force went the rescuers, Sally, to pick up the victims who fell from the cliff with the ambulance down in the valley. Said one of his peers, It's a marvel to me that you give so much greater attention to repairing results than to curing the cause. You had better aim at prevention. For the mischief, of course, should be stopped at its source. Come, neighbors and friends, let us rally. It's far better sense to rely on a fence than an ambulance down in the valley. He's wrong in his head, the majority said. He would end all our earnest endeavor. He's a man who would shirk his responsible work, but we will support it forever. Are we picking up all as fast as they fall and give them care liberally? A superfluous fence is of no consequence if the ambulance works in the valley. The story looks queer as we've written it here, but things often occur that are stranger. More humane, we assert, than to succor the hurt is the plan of removing the danger. The best possible course is to safeguard the source. Attend to things rationally. Yes, 
Build up the fence and let us dispense of the ambulance down in the valley. So you get the, the message. The message is, it's better to stop people from coming over the cliff than it is to help them get over their, their hurt, their fall. That's the message of that poem. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 18. This cliff that we're talking about is one that's there. We're not going to take it away. It's always going to be there. It will always be dangerous. It will always be something to beware of. It's always something that if you mistreat it or do not respect it, it will hurt you. That's what this cliff is. So, what is our responsibility for this cliff? What should we do about this cliff? And we could look at it as being technology, the internet, or we could look at it as being a lot of different things. We could look at it as being just, well, I'll go on, I'll get to that later. But we could look at it as being a lot of different things that is something that needs to be, it needs to be respected. What are we going to do with it? Do we have any responsibility? Do I have any responsibility for you? Do you have any responsibility for me? Does the church have any responsibility for the brotherhood, for the members? Do the leaders have any responsibility as we give some direction and, and, and make recommendations and lead? Well, the answer is yes to all those questions. <coughs> The answer is yes. We have responsibility. And Jesus talks about that. And I want to talk about that briefly here. Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest of the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever, therefore, whosoever, excuse me, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And there's a whole message there, I know. I'm not going to talk about that. But whosoever shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Little children, I need to say this. Little children look up to their papas and their mamas and they totally trust them. Totally. I mean... You get a child that'll stand, that will, will, will stand on the floor, he'll hold his knees straight, and you hold his feet right here in your hand, and you balance him there, and he'll stand there, and you can hold him there. He totally trusts his parents. That's the humility of a little child. That's the faith, that's the beauty of a little child. That little child, that kind of faith, that kind of trust, I'm trusting my father. I'm trusting my, 
my the, the 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 order of headship like we talked about yesterday. I'm trusting that God has that in place. I'm trusting that order of headship. Regardless where I'm at in that order, I'm trusting it. That's what I want to promote this morning. I want to trust. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Verse 6. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Whoso shall offend one of these little ones, it'd be better if he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Whosoever shall hurt one of these little ones, and I'll, I'll come back to that. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands and two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. That's pretty serious. Now we don't believe and I don't think Jesus meant that if you steal something, that it's your hand's fault, you ought to cut your hand off. What he meant was, you do whatever it takes to deal with that situation, that sin. You do something radical. You do what it takes. Because it's better to do all, any, hinder yourself and maim yourself, is what Jesus' words were. It's better that than enter into hellfire, to go down to hellfire having two hands and two feet. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes be cast into hell fire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What think ye? If a man have a hundred sheep, one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety-nine that went not astray. <clears throat> Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. <clears throat> Let's go back over that, that chapter, that verse, those verses. In verse 5, he says, Whosoever shall receive one such little one in my name receiveth me. In other words, we have responsibility to receive and to uh, open our arms to and to accept others. <clears throat> Other people that are saved, we have that responsibility. We open up our arms, we receive them, we accept them, we bless them. That's our responsibility. He says, whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. We receive him in the name of Jesus. We accept them. There's no big eyes and little U's. There's no, well, we'll take him and her and her. I like them better. The rest of you can do whatever you want to, but we're going to be just us. He says, whosoever receives one of these little ones in my name receiveth me. <clears throat> Verse 6. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it were better for him that the millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the depth or down, drowned in the depth of the sea. Offend. Whosoever shall offend. That word offend means to scandalize. Or, that is, 
entrap or trip up. That's what that word means. He, it also, Strong's also gives a definition to entice to sin, make to offend, make to go into apostasy. That's the essence of what he says. Whosoever shall do this, one of these little ones, whoever it is, that humble person, that person who is willing to submit himself, that person who is willing to subject himself, that person who is willing to say, Lord, I have a need. Verse 6, read that, whosoever shall offend. Verse 7, woe unto the world because of offenses. Woe unto the world, for it, for it must need be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. This is where the title comes from. That offense is, it, 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 it's also related to the, the offenses is related to offend. It also has to do with being a scandal, but it's a derivative of a certain number. It's a trap stick, a bent sapling. That is a snare. Now let's think about that. Woe unto the world because of bent saplings, trap sticks. Woe unto the world because of them. Because we have the opportunity to not do that. We have the opportunity to not set a snare. We have the opportunity to not bend that sapling, to not set that trap stick. We have that opportunity. What are we going to do with it? He says, woe unto them, woe unto the world because of those trap sticks. Now, my point is, and my what I'd like to emphasize here is that a trap stick, it is our choice what we do with an opportunity. Take the internet, for example. Again, not picking on that, but it, I am. Maybe I am pointing to that a little bit. There is, it is a very, 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 very dangerous. I've seen many men fall. I've had young men come to me and say, Brother Mark, I need some help. I need help. I bless those young men. <clears throat> they got caught in the snare. not right what are we going to do about it that's the question I have for us this morning what will we do about it Jesus says woe unto the world because of those trap sticks woe unto the world because of those snares woe unto the world because of that woe to those who set those snares or could we also say that don't do anything with the, that situation it could be a snare probably many of us if not all of us probably not all of us many of us have the internet in our pocket maybe some of us locked down and that's good that's excellent that's not because you're weak that's because we love you. That's because there is a need. Those things are a trap stick. Those things are a bent sapling. They can snare you. Right. <clears throat> I want to emphasize that. If your phone is locked down and you choose to do it voluntarily, bless your heart. If you didn't, that's okay, but you still allowed it. That is beautiful. There's more strength in a person being able to do that than to say, Oh, I can withstand it. 
There's more strength in a man being able to say, I need some help, than there is to say, I can handle it. Woe unto the world because of offenses. If I do nothing with it, if I do nothing about it, in any of my scenarios or any of those, those situations I talked about, whether it be the, the church, whether it be the father in the home, whether it be the, you yourself, if I do nothing about it, I become responsible for something that I should have done something about. It is. I, I, I'm, this is not a new message to you, I know. I know that you've heard those warnings and these things before. I know you have. That this thing is a dangerous tool. I'm not, I use it myself, but it's dangerous. Be careful with it. It's like a sharp knife. It can, it can do tremendous things. It can also kill. That's the way the internet is also. <clears throat> he said, woe unto the world because of offenses, because of these trap sticks that have been set. It must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Woe to that man who does not do something about something that he knows is a snare and a danger. That he doesn't do anything about it. Woe to that man and it catches him or catches somebody else. I say woe to that man. That's what Jesus said. Woe unto the world because of that man who will not do something about that snare. Verse 8 and 9. Wherefore, if thy hand offend thee, cut them off, cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maim, than rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire, and the same thing with your eye. In verse 9. Do what it takes to remove the problem. Do what it takes. I don't know how it's going to be in eternity. I don't know how it's going to be in the judgment. I don't know. But I'm going to suggest this to you. That if you are, if you have that temptation in your pocket, and you fall to that temptation, whatever that is, the Lord will someday say, remember back there on July 16th at Valley Christian Fellowship, Brother Mark was talking, he said, this thing is a snare, you need to do something about it. That was your warning. That was your, that was me speaking to you. And I don't claim to be God by any stretch of the imagination. But this is a, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Right now you have the opportunity to do something about those trap sticks or those bent saplings or those snares in your life and also in the lives of others. You know, fathers, you have responsibility Mothers, you have responsibility. The leaders of the church, Brother Roger, Brother Jeremy, you have responsibility. I have responsibility. God is holding me responsible. He's holding you responsible. Young men, young ladies, you are responsible because you have siblings and other people looking up at you. They're watching what you do. They're watching how you respond. They're watching your life. You have the responsibility to do something about that you would not 
set a trap stick. <clears throat> he says, woe to the man that, puts a, that allows or puts a trap stick in the path of another soul. Sometimes we'd like to say, well, <clears throat> let's just give a gentle rebuke. Let's just, let's just be very kind and careful with it. Like we don't want to hurt anybody. Well, I believe in kindness, Brother Glenn. That's an absolute necessity. That's a, that is a, a fruit of the Spirit. That is an attribute of God. But also believe that sometimes we need to say it like it is. It really needs to be said. We will not do this. We will do this. We'll do something about this. It's not going to, we're not going to continue this way. Sometimes we even need to back up. <clears throat> we told the church back home, it's better. If we need to, we, we allow something, we make a decision about something, and we say, well, we've already allowed that. What are we going to do about it now? It's better to back up and say and, and hurt a soul or two than to hurt a, a hundred or two. If we need to. It's better to back up. So, <clears throat> if ever, there comes a time when you say, well, we've allowed to have this, and we, you said we could, but now you're saying no. That's okay. It takes a bigger man to say, okay, I accept that than it does to fight for it and say, I can handle it. I know I've said that before, but it's so true. <clears throat> Verse 10, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Take heed. When Jesus says take heed, that says, pay attention here, I have something to say. Pay attention, take heed. Here's something to think about. Here's something you need to you need to look at. Take heed. And he says, "Take heed that ye despise not." That word despise also means to think against or disesteem. Take heed that you do not disesteem, that you do not say, "Oh well," and go on. There's a time to take heed and a time to make something happen. He says, their angels do always behold, behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Their angels do always behold. I'm not sure what that means, except I'll just suggest this to you. That it means that the Father is always aware of what's going on. And, and we don't doubt any of that. God is always aware. Their angels do always behold the face of my Father. In other words... God is fully aware of what's going on down there and he cares about every one of them. He says, For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold. He says, Take heed and despise not because God is paying attention. Because God sees them. Verse 11, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Verse 12, How think ye? If a man have a hundred sheep, one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety-nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? <clears throat> he did. He does. He will. And when he does, though, he did it at a great cost. He did it at the cost of his life. He came down here and he was willing to die a shameful death 
And un, and un, uh, un, uh, he was not, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't his fault. He was willing to do that, though, because he loved us. He had a hundred sheep, but one went astray and he went to get it. Now, if we will allow a trap or set a trap or snare, we're just defying what he did. It's important that we take notice of where we're at, who we are, what's going on, what our life is showing. This whole situation that we that we're careful with what we're what we're portraying. Are we by our life setting a trap stick and therefore disregarding that one that this that that the Lord went out to save? Consider that. You know, this cliff we talked about in this poem. It's a cliff that, like I said already, it's there. And it, 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 God created, I guess you'd say, I'm not sure I'd, if he created the internet or not, but he allowed it at least. But it's something that's there. It is... It is something that if we uh, will let ourselves be just ourselves, we probably get closer and closer and closer. See a little better, get a little closer. Peer down over the edge, get a little closer to see. That's what happens with cliffs. We've wondered many times as we've used to live in Idaho here and we'd go out through the, into the forest and the forest service roads and why are these roads here? I suppose the answer would be for logging roads, those kind of things, but but you just have to wonder, I mean, why did it go there? Well, <clears throat> that's just the way man is. That mountain up there, if nothing else, it's there to be climbed. That's why it's there. It's not God created it, but that's in our minds. We look at that thing and say, I want to climb that mountain. So we put forth effort into doing that. That's the way it is with some of these snares that we can fall into. We're not aware, we, we don't take responsibly the idea that to climb that mountain, to get to close to that cliff, could be, a, could be a trap. It could be a snare. You could fall over real easy. Some of those things that we can see. Some of those things, some practical, some practical things that we can see that are um, that we should think about here a little bit. One thing I want to mention: one thing about falling into a trap, or falling over the edge, or falling into sin. Believe it or not. Now, to fall over the edge may not quite apply here, but I'll say it this way. To fall into sin, when it pleases the flesh, it's easier the second time. Don't do it the first time, because it's easier the second time. Be aware of that. 
once you take one step, it's much harder to back up. It's easier the second time. So the idea is, let's not do it the first time. There are some things about technology I wanted to, to mention briefly. I don't know if we need to go through them all real, real um, closely, but one thing to have is how many of us, and I say it to my shame, have not picked up our phone and we got interested in something and suddenly we looked up and a half an hour was gone. Or an hour. Or more. When you look at your phone and you see how much time, screen time you have, it's pretty shocking sometimes. I'm not saying it's all wrong. But I'm saying... Be careful what you do. This whole this thing is very it's the subtlety of Satan to just it just leads you from one thing to the next thing to the next to the next. Or it happens. That's a trap. That's a snare. You know and 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 there's a time, okay, there's a time maybe you need to research something, okay. But there's also a time when many times it's just a matter of you got distracted. Probably we all could understand what I'm talking about. Probably we can. That's a that's a trap. That I mean, you could name all kinds of really pious things you could have done with that time. But the fact of the matter is, there is better things to do with your time than that. It is true. It's better. There's better things you could do than to get caught in that. So I just encourage us: beware, beware, beware. It's a tool. It's not a toy. You can be distracted with your time. And this is not a new subject. I'm not going to say very much about it. You can be distracted morally. Not making accusations, but I know enough that you can be distracted morally. Not just young men. Not just young ladies. We all can be. Moving on a bit then to other possibilities of snares and trap sticks. This is not my favorite message to preach. But as I look at life and the shortness of it and the frailty of it, it's good for us to think about these things. Young men are strong, lots of energy. Young ladies, lots of energy. Hearts beating good, no problems at all. Doesn't take very long till that changes. Really, it doesn't. And not only that, but God can... God can decide to take your life in an instant. It can happen. And not only that, and probably more so, is the fact that to waste our life on these kind of things, when, when the purpose of our life 
is to give God glory. That's the purpose of your life here. That's why you're living. That's why you're living. That's why God created you. He wanted you to honor Him. He wanted you to obey Him. He wanted you to glorify Him. He wanted you to put your heart into worshiping Him. That's why we're here. Sure, we have responsibilities. Sure, we, we get married. And sure, it's, it's nice. And all those kind of things. But the bottom line, it's why we're here. Let that be the baseline of every decision you make. Will this decision honor God or, was this, or not? Or what will this do to my brother or my sister or my family or my children? What does this decision do? Woe unto the world because of trap sticks. We could talk about not just the internet. We could talk about your reading material. We could talk about your jobs. Some of you really like your jobs. I'm not saying that's wrong. But. Why are you here? Why are you here? In fact it's true. What we love to do we do well. What we don't like to do we don't do so well. It's good to do things well. But let's remember, when we get up in the morning on Monday morning after Sunday, ah, now I get to do what I want to do. Now I get to go do my job. I get to go whatever it is. Not wrong, but the heart. It's good for us to stop and think, like I said yesterday. Give us stop and ask ourselves, Lord, what can I do for you today? What can I do for you today? And what I do for you today, I want it to be for you. Your vehicles, clothes, and you know, here's another one that's that's really difficult. Our luxurious lifestyles. Is that a trap? Do we tend to, is that possibly putting us at a place of ease and comfort and rest and all oh, this is nice? And, and I'm not even going to say what to do about it, but I think of those people in Ukraine. We've seen pictures of that little old lady sitting in a basement, dark and damp, afraid to come out because of the bombs overhead. There she is today. And I'm not saying this is wrong for us to enjoy this, but what about that? What is our responsibility there? I meet with some young men occasionally back in Ohio, back in Pennsylvania. And one young man, I asked him, I said, I want you to think about why you make the decisions you make. Why you make the decisions you make. What influences you to make those decisions? And when you answer that question, now I want you to answer the question, is that sustainable? Can I, will that, will that answer carry you and your posterity through life Like God wants you to walk. Will that answer do that? 
Why do you do the things you do? What motivates you? And will that answer carry you through where God wants you to be? Will that reason that you give last through eternity? Why do you do the things you do? Why do you choose the things you choose? You know, we can look at the young people and say, talk about dress and hair and clothes and all those kind of things, and, and that's, that's legitimate. But that doesn't stop there. It can go on farther into the marriage and into the fathers and even the grandfathers. Why do I do the things I do? What is my motivation? My wife and I have been reading through the Old Testament here at at our Bible time in the mornings and we're reading through the Exodus there and how how, uh, God delivered the children of Israel out out of Egypt. And we just marveled at Pharaoh and, and the Egyptians time after time after time. And the, the land just got barer and barer and barer. The, the stink got worse and worse. The blood, the frog, the frog flies. And he kept hardening his heart. The Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. <clears throat> but this is why he said he did it. And this is the point I want to make. This is why he said he did it. He said in Romans 9, chapter 9, verse 17, he said, For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same cause, purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. That's why we're here. God wants to show his power in us, and that his name through us might be declared throughout the whole earth. Never let it be said of Valley Christian Fellowship... Yeah, well, they like their money pretty well. They're pretty careful with how they pay. They're kind of hard to deal with sometimes. <clears throat> what really is life about? Is it about that? There's some value in being uh, absolutely careful, economic, all those kind of things. But wouldn't it be better to be, as Brother Glenn said, talk about kindness? Wouldn't it be better to be generous? Wouldn't it be better to... Be one of those, that, that church, that they can say they're consistent and they are generous, they're unselfish. And I don't know that that's not said. I'm not saying it is. I hope it's, I hope it's said of you very clearly that that's a, a godly church. There are some times when we need to make some decisions as a church, as families, as fathers. And we try to find in the scriptures, what does it say about this? And it didn't talk about the Internet as such. It didn't talk about whatever else temptation or distraction there might be out there. It doesn't talk about that. It doesn't talk about why we have developed a culture 
But we do. Right that we do. One of the things that I, I, I believe that is very applicable and powerful and it's a good reason. If I can't find a, a chapter and verse in the Bible about whatever I may be talking about, whatever that is, I can do this. I can say, what does history teach me? What have I seen in the past? What trajectory will I be on if I do this? I can ask myself that. And that's a, that's a pretty safe question to ask. Many, many years ago, I don't know how many years ago, back in the 1930s or 40s, I'm not exactly sure when it was. My my forefathers, my grandfathers, probably was my grandfathers, made a decision in their church that they would not have the radio and television. In fact, it was such a significant issue that was one of the reasons, not the whole reason, well, there, it, it was, there was, it was a significant enough of an issue that there are some people said, we can't go on this way. There was a division in the church. And I'm sorry about that. But at the same time, they did that. Now, I am glad, I am thankful, my parents made a stand. My grandparents took a stand and said, no television, no radio. I look at history tells me though that group who kept the, the television and the radio and I don't know if it's all this the reason they're at a different place today without making accusation to anybody in particular they've lost their way That doesn't mean everybody has to lose their way because they have the radio and television. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to mean that. But it does mean it's a safeguard. And I am thankful for it. That's history telling me. I look at that. I look at where we are today. I'm glad that I don't, I, I wasn't raised with the television and the, and the radio. That's just, that's history. It tells me something. And that sets us on a trajectory where it is a it is a a course that is predictable. I can look back at history. I can say they did this, they did that, this is where they end up. That's a trajectory. It's a course that's predictable. It isn't infallible, but it's at least predictable. And in that fact then, we develop what we call a culture. We develop what we call, this is who we are type thing. It's the social norm among us. It's expectations that are accepted as a standard to live by. Written and unwritten. That's what our culture is. So we ask ourselves the question, well, how do we develop a culture? What culture is right? What is the right way to do this? 
We got this culture, this opportunity, this opportunity, this opportunity. How do we decide? <clears throat> and I guess to me the answer is this. What is the fruit of the culture you're trying to decide about? Look at the cultures and do your choices. What are the fruit of those things? Where does that lead? <clears throat> Jesus tells us, he says, we, we know them by their fruits. What comes out of their life is how we know who a person is and where they're going. Now I want to I want to end with a bit more of a how do I say it? It's a um, we can do this all because we have to do it. We just do it in the flesh. We just do it because it's law. Those kind of things. We can do it for that reason, or we can do it because it's our heart. <clears throat> we can do it because we have been willing to let our heart be changed from. Allowing the flesh and all of its temptations to have its way to saying, Lord, what can I do for you today? In Colossians, he says, Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, he says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, he's talking about himself, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid for ages from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This all is done. All we've talked about. It is done out of the fact that Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. We have decisions to make. We don't, we don't just stand by and say, okay, I'm going to let Christ do it. And whatever he says, I'll do. Well, that's, that's true. But we have decisions to make. What are we going to do with these things? We can set trap six sticks and we can, we can, we can allow snares or we can fall into them ourselves. But the way we're going to really get the power to do what we need to do is Christ in you. Christ in you. He says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. And I told you yesterday, a mystery to me is a miracle. I like to interpret that word mystery as miracle. It is a miracle. The glory of this miracle among the Gentiles. It is Christ in you. That's a miracle. And you know what? You know who you are? You're all Gentiles. You didn't, you didn't, you aren't Jews. You were not born into God's favor just because you're a Jew. You were outside of God's favor. But he said, I'm going to bring you in. We're all Gentiles. We're all Gentiles. That helps me to get a little better perspective of what God has done for me. I was lost. I was outside his favor. But he brought us in. And he, put, and he allowed Christ to come in us to be the hope of glory. So that mystery or that miracle of that, of that, what that happens to us, that is our, that is the core, that's the, 
I don't know how to say it. That's the basis of what our life should be. Out of that flows these things. Out of that core. Out of that basis. So, the message this morning is beware of the trap stick of the flesh. Beware of that. Uh, depending on the works of fleshly affliction or prevention to give you assurance and peace before God. Beware of that. Beware of that flesh depending on those works of fleshly affliction or prevention to give you assurance and peace before God. Beware of that. Or depending on anything besides the mystery or miracle of Christ in you to give you power over sin in the flesh. The law can't do it. Neither can the standards of the church do it. It is Christ in you that gives you power to walk above and to walk free and to walk in the way of Christ. So the whole duty of man, fear God, keep His commandments, honor the Lord, praise His name, worship the King, trust Him, believe in Him, obey His commands to the praise of His glory. That's our, that's our purpose. That's why we're here. So, beware of those offenses that come. And beware that, let's, let's make a fence around those things. Let's, let's, let's be willing to say, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes if it means cut off my hand. If I am, I am in sin or whatever it is, if it means, I'll do what it takes. I'll put that fence there. I'll beware of those things. Let's uh, kneel our our heads for prayer. Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have promised us that there is a way to avoid. And that some of these snares and these, these offenses that come are not from you. And you give us stern warning to stay away from those things. Thank you for those warnings. I pray, Lord, help us each one. To have Christ in us. That we might sometime fulfill the reason for Christ in us. To be able to not only have, but experience that hope of glory. Help us, Lord, to walk right, upright, holy, pure, humbly. May your name be praised in our life. Lord, help us. We go away from here just now. We go away from here today and we go in into our week next week. Lord, help us to bear in mind that we have responsibility. There are people watching. We're leading. We're giving direction. We're encouraging one way or the other. I pray, Lord, help us to do what is right, that we would not be as those that you said, woe to whom, through whom these offenses come. But rather we could say, hear, hear you say, As we so many times pray, Lord, that we might be able to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.